Hey, Hope family, welcome to another Hope Daily. Have you ever just written someone off? Perhaps it was a friend or even a family member who just disappointed you one too many times. Perhaps it was betrayal or backstabbing that led you to finally make that decision. Maybe it was just a hard-headedness that made you give up hope of them ever changing, even though maybe there were no real deep hurts involved. Maybe they were just annoying and you were over it. In both serious and not-so-serious situations, we can lose patience and even hope for others to ever come around and get it. Sometimes it's not even necessarily an active choice, but rather the other party just isn't in your life anymore and you have no idea what they are up to now. I know of kids who were in my youth group or who I knew from my camp years that I've just lost track of and when I play out where they probably are in my life, I assume they're not doing so well or they're not following God. But on more than one occasion, I've been pleasantly surprised to hear how a former student has grown closer to God and is living for him. The the point I'm making is that we never really know what God is going to do in people's lives. I think we often assume, or at least I often assume, that I can see the whole picture, but really when it comes to other people's lives, we only see such a limited amount of what God is actually doing and what is going on in their heart and in their soul. Yet in our arrogance and pride, we assume that we know how all of it will play out. Right now, in the broader scope of Christianity, there's a lot of discussion around the idea of deconstruction. Basically, the idea is that Christians are asking questions that deconstruct the faith they've inherited from their parents, from uh, from their church. And on the other side of that, their faith looks much different than it once did. Sometimes they even walk away from Christianity altogether. Just within the past few months, a, a pretty prominent pastor down in Texas called it a deconstruction fad that is, quote, sexy right now implying that it's just a trend that people are doing because they see others doing it. More recently than that, a Christian rock and roll artist who's become pretty outspoken about both his faith and politics and is gaining a wider audience than just uh, the Christian music scene, he was recorded at a concert declaring war on these, quote, deconstructing Christians. And I do understand some of the pushback, some of the fear, and and the frustration that comes with seeing so many people ask these difficult questions. Some of them are asking honestly, wrestling with the, the impact of these things. Others are just asking in defiance. But I think we, as followers of Christ, need to interact with those who have doubts, who are asking questions, or who even are behaving in ways that are counter to the ways of Jesus with mercy. As I was reading Acts, I was reminded of an example as to why we need to do this. We looked at Acts 13 last week, and we didn't look at this verse that I'm going to look at today, but there's a little verse in there. It's easy to skip over as you're reading through the book. Acts 13, 13 says, Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and went back to Jerusalem. Now that this John is believed to be John Mark, the assumed author of the gospel according to Mark. Well, fast forward to chapter 15 and let's pick up in verse 36. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to do the work. 
They had such a sharp disagreement that Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. Drama! Now, we don't really get any sense of the nature of why John Mark left. Why he came back and why Paul took it so personally that he had left in the first place. Clearly, Luke's account of it all is that John Mark abandoned them, or at least that's how Paul felt. So back in chapter 13, John Mark didn't just forget something and have to go pick it up. He left. Perhaps Paul felt betrayed by the reasoning behind him leaving. Perhaps it was simply that they needed the support. Uh, perhaps Paul just thought bringing him back, what if he leaves again? We can't count on him. We, we are leaving ourselves vulnerable to being abandoned once again. I don't know the reason, but the disagreement was sharp, and sharp enough that they had to go their separate ways. We know that Paul speaks well of Barnabas down the road, but their relationship clearly isn't the same going forward. Barnabas was the first of the believers in Jerusalem to reach out to Paul and bring him before the twelve apostles and say, This guy is with me. Undoubtedly, Paul must have felt indebted to Barnabas, and leaving him was not a choice that he made fleetingly. But here's the thing. This isn't the end of the story. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, Paul is nearing the end of his life and he knows that that is the case. And so he asks for Timothy to, he urges Timothy, come and visit me. And there are things that he wants him to bring. But he says this in 2 Timothy 4.11, bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I actually got a little emotional thinking about this for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's just hormones. But it's beautiful. Paul was so against Mark coming along that he broke stride with the man who had his back from the beginning. Paul drew a definitive line in the sand, and one of his closest friends had to say, Paul, I'm seeing this different. I'm on the other side of you. And a heartbreaking separation ensued. But that wasn't the end of the story. God had more in store for John Mark. And now Paul had seen the rest of the story. Not only was he proud to hear that John Mark was doing well, but Paul, once parting ways because of him, now views him as an asset to building the kingdom of God. I alluded to this verse earlier, but Jude writes in verse 22 of his letter, Have mercy on those who waver. The NIV renders it, Have mercy on those who doubt. Christian rapper KB shared this verse, and along with it, he had these thoughts. Life is a journey. Many will get off the wrong exit, only to get back on course later. For those who have strayed, make it easy for them to come back home. You may have friends, family members, or know of people who were once a part of hope, who, for whatever reason, have wavered or doubted. Let's have mercy on them. In a time where people are walking away from faith because they're given over to progressive idealism that promises a man-made utopia, others are becoming entrenched in authoritarian conservatism that promises to protect them and usher a return to former glory. Others are walking away because they just don't believe it anymore. They see the hypocrisy of those who have become before them and it's too much and so they walk away. Let us stand firm and show mercy to those who wander. We don't know what God has in store for them. Our hearts may break. We may have to make difficult relational decisions. But let's do so with mercy, making it easy for them to come home. We too may be able to one day say, bring them with you. They are useful for the ministry of God.